You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Unveiled, Part 2. Enjoy. Hallelujah. Father, thank you. You're just so amazing. We don't have any more fear. Your love's taken it all away. We have nothing to be afraid of anymore. You just love us too much for us to be afraid. Your love covers every area of our lives. There's nothing to be afraid of. Your love covers every area of our lives. You have provided for us richly in every area of our lives. Holy Spirit, minister to us the life of Christ. Illuminate our hearts that we would experience Christ more. In Jesus' name, amen. The realm of the Spirit is very interesting. There are basically two realms going on simultaneously. We know the material realm because we're used to that, right? We can see it, we can touch it, we can taste it, we can hear it, we can smell it. Sometimes that's a good thing, sometimes it's not. (laughs) But we're used to the material realm. But it's kind of funny I I don't know if I've ever seen the movie Matrix, but how many have seen the movie Matrix? I've seen clips of it, and I've kind of been told about it, but it's kind of about an alternate reality. Is that right? Right? That the reality that people are are detecting, there's a reality behind that, right? I think that's the kind of gist of it. Well, there's a lot of truth to that, because there is a reality behind the material realm that is more powerful than what your senses may currently be detecting. And it's the realm of the Spirit. In fact, the Scriptures teach us that anything in this material realm came from the Spirit realm. And that's good to keep that in mind because God wants you to live anchored in and receiving provision and strength from the realm of the Spirit because it's not in this material realm. Anything that you can uh, detect in this material realm is subject to change. It can be gone tomorrow. Anything that you put your trust in in this material realm can be gone in the blink of an eye because it's made of changeable stuff. In the spirit realm, that's not the case. Everything in the spirit realm is eternal and unchanging. So there's a war going on excuse me, in the realm of the spirit where there are spirits of darkness trying to keep you from experiencing Jesus. They're trying to keep you from experiencing healing. They're trying to keep you from experiencing joy and peace and and the rich provision of Christ, the, the financial provision, the material provision. See, the spiritual provision will turn into material provision when you realize it's there and begin to act upon it and believe it. So as you look in the world today, you'll see a lot of confusion. 
a lot of really nasty stuff being done, nasty stuff being said. But you don't want to focus on that. We're not ignorant of it, but that's a sign to us of what's going on in the spirit realm. That's what Satan's trying to do. He's trying to create a lot of noise in your life to keep you from experiencing the peace that Christ provided from you. What a contrast between noise and peace. Have you experienced that before? Going from a noisy environment into a peaceful environment. Well, the peaceful environment that God has provided for you is internal. It's through faith in Christ. And it's greater than any noise in this world. And because of this peace that surpasses our understanding, if you learn to receive and walk in this peace, you can be in the midst of an external, noisy environment and have perfect peace. That's what the Father wants for us. So the world can be freaking out, yelling at each other, insulting each other, doing bad things to each other, but we've got joy Peace, provision, strength, and ex expectation. This is who we are. We're people of strength. We're people of, of peace. We're people of joy. Now, if you begin focusing on what man says and what's going on and what the, the stories that the media creates to get you upset, you're going to lose your peace. You won't lose it permanently because if you put your faith in Christ, it's always in there. But you'll become distracted in your mind and your emotions and the peace of Christ that's inside of you, you won't experience it. So I'm very aware if I'm, if I'm getting email about news stories or, or checking out news online. I don't watch it on uh, TV at all. I do go online and check out things. And, and I'm just amazed at how foolish the media is. I mean, just foolish things that they say and do. Foolish stories that they create just to get you upset. And they don't realize it, but there are spirits of darkness behind that trying to get you off of your peace. But we're smarter than that, right? We don't, we don't look to the media for wisdom or direction. We don't base what we believe on a news story. Oh, <laughs> That would, be, uh, that would be tragic. So we said last week, we started a new series, and it's called Unveiled. And we said that all that God is, all of God, is completely available all the time to anyone who would believe even in the midst of this world we're living in, that the totality of God, all that He is, is available all the time to you. In fact, it's available to anyone. The reason it's available is because God made Himself available through His Son, Jesus Christ. As true as this is, and this can be confusing sometimes when you're looking through the Scriptures and you see what Christ has provided for us and then you look in the world. You're like, what's going on? There appears to be a great contrast or a dichotomy, and there is. 
Because what Christ has provided for you is not automatically experienced just because you're a Christian. You have to choose to focus on Him and choose to believe constantly, regularly, what He's done for you. You have to choose to resist forces that are coming against what He's done for you. This is why more people aren't experiencing more of God. Because they're focusing on the wrong things. They're believing wrong things. Anybody ever heard a rumor in your lifetime? They're pretty common, aren't they, right? Who knows how many of them floating around daily, right? Rumors. You know, there are a lot of rumors about God. Rumors that have been circulating for centuries. That's how the devil got Adam and Eve out of God's provision for their life. Rumors. I looked up rumor. You want to hear the definition of the word rumor? A circulating story or report of uncertain or doubtful truth. Isn't that an interesting phrase? Truth is totally certain, isn't it? Jesus is the truth. There's nothing uncertain about him. He wants you to go through life with a certain confidence, unshakable, certain expectation. But the definition of rumor is a circulating story or report of uncertain or doubtful truth. It's an unverified account. Been a lot of those in the news, right? In fact, most of the stuff you hear in the news is just that unverified hearsay. I've learned this over the years since I've been a believer from the late 80s, that if there's someone in the news that the the media is tearing apart, it's probably because they're doing things that are good, that God likes. If there's someone that the media is exalting, it's probably because they're doing things the devil likes. That's how bad it's gotten. If if media and entertainment is exalting a person, it's probably because there's decisions they're making that the enemy can use. If the the media is tearing someone down and and trying to defame their character, it's probably because there are things they're doing that are going to benefit mankind. You may not realize that yet, but that's okay. I'm trying to get you away from the media as your source of information and to Jesus Christ as your source of information. In fact, the origin of the word rumor comes from a Latin word which means noise. (laughs) Isn't that good? That's exactly what rumors are. Noise. And if you've ever done any recording, and that's something I've done in my life, when you're recording, you don't want any uh, noise in your environment because noise will mess up what you're trying to record and there have been times we've laid down tracks and we've gone back and listened to it when there was noise on the track and we had to go back and do it again so in a a studio now there you, you try and create an environment so that all unwanted noise is eliminated 
in a recording studio. Well, God has created that environment, and that environment comes to you through the person of the Holy Spirit. He wants you to live a life where unwanted noise can't get in. Where the Holy Spirit inside of you is a buffer. Where the presence of God inside of you is greater than the noise on the outside of you. And it doesn't affect your recording and your tracks. So you don't have to go back and redo anything. So let me give you some examples of some rumors that have been circulating for centuries regarding God. Because we're here, we're believers, and we want to know more of God. We want to experience Him more. But I heard a lot of things being said. I still hear them being said today. Rumors being propagated from pulpits about God. Rumors being propagated by man's religion and man's tradition. Have you ever heard anything along these lines? If you're going to come to God then you need to get your life together. You need to clean up your act. Have you ever heard anything like that? God doesn't spend time with sinners. Now, if you don't know God, you might think, well, that probably makes sense. Maybe he, I mean, if he's God, he wouldn't want to spend time with sinners. But what happens when we look at Jesus? Who do we see him spending time with? How do you know that? In the Matthew, right in Matthew, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, you see him spending time with sinners. So this whole concept, if you're going to come to God, you need to clean up your life, is bogus. It's noise. Don't listen to it. God loves you now just like you are. God wants you to experience him now just like you are. No cleanup required. See, what that noise will do, if you listen to it, it will keep you from coming to Him. I mean, how clean do you have to be? How many things do I have to fix in my life before I can come in? I can't do that. I can't fix enough things in my life to be worthy of His love. He loves me anyway. Right? Right? Then maybe if you've, if you've been a part of a, of a church and maybe they've told you this, okay, you've put your faith in Jesus, but now you've got to atone for your sins. You've got to pay for what you've done. Something along those lines. I grew up in a church like that. Okay, you've, you know, if you believe in Jesus, well, that's fine. But you have penance to do. And if you don't do that penance, things aren't going to be good between you and God. Can anyone relate to this? This is some more noise. Let's look at Psalm 103. Let's look at what what God says about sin and what God has done. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Wow. So as far as God is concerned, your sin is not a problem to Him. He took care of the sin problem through His Son, Jesus Christ. See, this is prophetic of what Christ would accomplish for us. 
When Jesus was on that cross and when he became sin, God removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. That's a poetic way of saying they're gone. They're as far from you as could be. And they'll never be a part of your life again when you realize what Christ did for you. In fact, look at Hebrews chapter 10. See, we're, we're getting rid of the noise. And, and I find this noise is very prevalent in most believers' lives. It keeps them from this intimate experience with Jesus. These wrong beliefs that have been told them from friends or family or religious institutions or ministers. And it's time to get rid of the noise and experience Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10. Look what God has done. Man, I wish I would have heard this more as a new Christian. For the law, having a shadow of the things to come. We in verse 1, good. Having a shadow of the things to come. This is talking about the Mosaic law, the Ten Commandments. We all know, right? Was just a shadow of the good things to come. Not the very image of the things. The law can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. There are no religious accessories, no religious traditions, no religious sacrifice, sacraments that can make you perfect. There is no religious tradition that can cleanse you. It's good to know that. I don't want to spend all of my time and effort and resources on something that doesn't work. The religion of man doesn't work. God did something that works perfectly through Jesus. Verse 2. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. So we know in the Old Covenant, if you've studied the Old Testament, that about 2,500 years after Adam, almost 500 years after Abraham, because of the hardness of God's people's hearts, he had to institute the law. It wasn't something he wanted to do. He would prefer they would have just believed him and walked with him. But their hearts became so obstinate and hard to save them from themselves, to preserve the human race, and show them their need for a Savior, he gave them the law. Okay? Part of that law is they had to regularly bring sacrifice to the priests, the Levitical priests, and they had to offer those sacrifices that temporarily would cover their sins, but did not remove their sins from them. It did not change them at all. If it changed them, they wouldn't need to have it offered regularly. So verse 2, it says, For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. How about you? How much consciousness do you have of sin? So the word tells us that if a perfect sacrifice was offered for sin, and someone would put their faith in that sacrifice, it would remove all consciousness of sin from their life. That's the life God's provided for us. We live life with no consciousness of sin. 
It has no power over us. It is not tempting to us because we know where it leads. The lie of sin, the lie of sin has been revealed to us. It leads to death. So it's not, it's not tempting when you know where something leads, right? Why would, why would destruction tempt us? Right? Verse 3. But in those sacrifices, the old covenant, the Mosaic covenant, in those regular sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year. Now the church I grew up in, we didn't sacrifice animals, but boy, we, had, we were reminded of our sin every week. Because we were given religious artifacts that we were to take home with us and rehearse our sin. And I'd go over how many sins we've committed and, and do penance and, and say these prayers over and over and over again. And we were sin conscious people. It didn't change us, the religious tradition we were a part of. It didn't set us free from sin. It made us more conscious of sin. Verse 3. But it, uh, there is a reminder of sins every year. Verse 4. For it is not possible that the traditions of man, the blood of bulls and goats, could take away sins. The covenant that was instituted on Mount Sinai was never meant to be permanent. It was a band-aid to get us to Jesus so that we could be made whole. Go to verse 9 in Hebrews chapter 10. Then he said, Behold, this is Jesus talking to his Father. He said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. So Jesus took away the first, the old covenant, the Mosaic covenant, that, may, that he may establish a new covenant, a second covenant. Most believers have yet to realize the benefits of the new covenant. They're still living in an old covenant mindset. And that's why they're so sin conscious and so critical of others and judgmental because they have that old covenant mentality. So Jesus established this second covenant, verse 10, and by this second covenant, we have been sanctified. It's past tense. Not when we get to heaven. Now. Not if you pray three prayers today. Your sanctification didn't come through your prayers. It came through the sacrifice of Jesus. Our faith is not in our prayers. Our faith is in Jesus. Right? Your prayers will change when they're not fear-based and sin-consciousness-based, but Jesus-based. We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. What does that say? Once. For all. That's everybody, all time. I need a sacrifice like that. Because in myself, I'm not perfect. I need something that covers me completely for the rest of my life so that I can enjoy the person of Jesus and be free from sin. 
Verse 11, and every priest stands ministering. That's in the Old Covenant. Priests were in the Old Covenant. You know, in the New Covenant, you become a priest through faith in Christ. Did you know that? That a priest in the New Covenant is not someone who wears a collar. It's someone who believes in Jesus. Where is that at in the New Covenant? Do you know that? Is it 2 Peter 1.9? You are a chosen race. A royal priesthood, right? Isn't that what it says? You are a royal priesthood. Where did your royal priestliness come from? Jesus. Have you thought of yourself as a royal priest? See, back in the old covenant, priests were really important. In fact, the priest, the prophet, and the, had, a, had a spot in the king's life that was indispensable. You're a royal priesthood now. But in the Old Covenant, every priest would stand ministering daily. Can you imagine that? Daily offering sacrifices. Repeatedly, the same sacrifices over and over again, which can never take away sins. Do you know your prayers, your religious tradition can't take away sins? Can't do it. You can pray 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can be on your knees. You can fall on your face. You can light a thousand candles a day. It cannot take away your sins. Only the sacrifice of Jesus could do that, and he did that. Why would we try and do something that's already been done? Because we're ignorant of what's been done. When it's already done, we can enjoy it. Right? But this man, Jesus, who became man, after he had offered one sacrifice, how many sacrifices for sins are there? One. One sacrifice for sins. For what length of time? Forever. So glad he sat down. You sit down when the work is over, right? He sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Who are his enemies? Satan and the fallen angels, right? For by one offering, verse 14, by one offering he has perfected forever. Those who are being sanctified. If you've put your faith in Christ, you have been perfected forever. You have become as righteous as God is righteous. Is that a blasphemous statement? How do I know that? There are many, many, many scriptures. One of my favorites is 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, for God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So when you realize what he's done, it takes the, the, the power out of the noise of man's religion. I was told that repentance is a penance that I have to pay. And man, it was a weight that I couldn't carry. It was frustrating to me. 
Maybe for a, like a nanosecond, I felt a little better than it was over. And I felt worse after doing my penance. But what is true repentance in the Bible? We know the Bible wasn't written in English, right? See, if you want to silence the noise, you've got to go to the source. Jesus is the source. Well, when you're reading the Bible, English, the English language is not the source. Okay? This actually was, the New Testament was written in Greek and Aramaic. Old Testament and Hebrew. Right? So, what happened? People who spoke English translated the original text into English, and some of the words they cho- choose aren't, aren't right. Like repentance. That's an English word that comes from the word penance or penitentiary. The Greek word for repentance in the New Testament is metanoia. What does it mean? Think differently. So Bible repentance is to think differently, not to try and pay something. Repent means to think differently. It means to think God's thoughts after Him. To have a change of mind and a change of purpose. That's repentance. How about this this noise? Maybe God has brought or allowed that sickness or tragedy to come into your life or into your loved one's life because he's teaching you how to be humble. Have you heard that noise before? That's a rumor. It's noise. I like what Reinhard Bunke said. I just saw it this week. Anyone know who Reinhard Bunke is? That's just just a fun name to say. Reinhard Bunke. He's probably one of the most uh, legendary evangelists of the 20th century, still living. One of my favorites. I don't know if I ever meet him this side of heaven, but I I plan on having a cup of coffee with him when I get the glory. But love this guy. This is a guy who ministers to millions of people at one time. He has meetings where there are millions in attendance. And he has led millions to Christ. But this is what he made a post. This is one of his tweets this week. And this is the caption. Is God unpredictable? And this is what he says. Jesus is not erratic, acting one way today and another way tomorrow. Some speak as if God is unpredictable. And they call it, quote unquote, sovereignty. God never said he will act in quote-unquote sovereign fashion, meaning without rule or precedent. It is a philosophy imported into Bible teaching. God always speaks of himself as faithful and true. Quite a different thing from this kind of quote-unquote sovereignty. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So during your day today and this week, I want you to recognize the rumors. Because Satan's going to keep coming at you with them. And we listed a few. We could go on for days. There's a bunch of them. 
but he's going to try and get you to, to your trust in God to waver. He doesn't want you to know how much God loves you, how much he's for you, how much he's already accomplished for you, because when you know that, you're going to start experiencing it. So he wants there always to be a question mark between you and God. And that's what rumors do. They put a question mark in your mind. And that's all it takes to hinder your faith is this question mark. Jesus came to eliminate the question mark between you and God. In Jesus, there is no more question mark. A question mark is when you have a question. Jesus answered the question. There's no need for a question mark anymore. Hallelujah. The God question has been answered. Wow. So if you want to eliminate rumors in your life, you've got to go to the source and I got to laugh about this word source, and Jennifer can laugh with me. <laughs> I, I grew up on the border of Ohio and Pennsylvania, near Youngstown, Ohio. Anyone know where Youngstown, Ohio is? Y-Town is my town. I was, I was just over the border in Pennsylvania, and uh, in Newcastle was the name of the town I grew up in. It's a different, we had our own accent over there, but we got to New England. There was a pastor that we knew. And he was from this area, and when he would say source, he would say, you have to go to the sauce. <laughs> and we would turn at each other, and we'd start giggling. <laughs> you got to go to the sauce. Now, you got to understand, I grew up in an Italian family, and every Sunday was sauce day. S-A-U-C-E. In fact, you would walk down the, the Italian neighborhoods in my town on Sunday, and you'd smell the sauce in every home. If you would go in any of those homes, on the, on the stovetop was this big pot. You know what was in it? Sauce. Homemade sauce. And I, I was reminded of a commercial from the 80s for Prego. Anyone know Prego? <laughs> See, so growing up, sauce was really important, Okay. And it couldn't come out of a jar. That was like a cardinal sin, right? You, your sauce is homemade. So Prego, the big, the big plug with Prego, I don't know, if, is Prego still around? Do they still have that slogan, it's in there? Okay, well back in the 80s, they used to have a slogan because they're trying to get Italians to buy this sauce in a jar, which is like unthinkable. So they have this Italian dad walks in the kitchen of his new son's home and he sees a jar of sauce on the stove. And he said, you've only been married six months and you're eating sauce out of a jar. And he said, let me give you the good ingredients to a healthy marriage. You need garlic. And he starts going through the ingredients. <laughs> and he says, dad, it's in there. And finally the dad tastes it and he says, it's in there, right? So that's what I know about sauce. So when he starts talking about Jesus being the sauce, I get that, right? <laughs> It's in there, right? Everything I could ever need that is good, it's in there. Garlic, oregano, healing, provision, righteousness, right? Pepper, it's in there, right? The source, you got to go to the source to get the sauce, right? 
<laughs> so wrong beliefs, we said last week, ignorance or wrong beliefs, they're like a veil over our hearts and minds. But when you go to the source and taste the sauce of Jesus, the veil is removed. When you begin to taste Jesus, the veil of rumors and wrong beliefs is removed. And you begin to eat the fresh ingredients of God. Hallelujah. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. This was our scripture we started last week. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 for our series, Unveiled. We'll start in verse 12. Now I'm thinking of spaghetti sauce. <laughs> you took the... <laughs> I mean, olive oil and garlic, what else do you need in life? Come on. It's the stuff. <laughs> Verse 12. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. What hope do we have? That the question mark has been removed. That there's nothing between us and God anymore that the sacrifice of Jesus is a once for all sacrifice this is the confident expectation we have and it changes our speech seeing we have such confident expectation we use great plainness of speech we're not like Moses hallelujah thankful for Moses but we're not like him he's not our savior we're not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were blinded, for to this day the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Wow. Oh, do we go, guys? Did you go with me there to verse 14? 14. Ta -da, ta -dee. Should be the next slide right after it. Awesome. There it is. So only in Christ is it taken away. Amen. There's only one way, right? There's only one sauce the sauce of God, Jesus Himself. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their heart. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The rumors are dispelled. We realize there's nothing in between us and God anymore. There's no reason for us not to be healthy anymore. There's no reason for us not to be condemned anymore. There's no reason for us to be afraid anymore. There's no reason for us to be depressed anymore. There's no reason because of the once for all Jesus sacrifice. Now verse 12 in the message translation. Let's look at that. With that kind of confident expectation to excite us, so you can tell what your mind is on by the expectation in your heart. So if you find yourself going through your week and you're kind of down, check what you've been thinking on. Where's your expectation? What is your thought life focusing on? Shift it. Guarantee you, if you're just down or discouraged, your focus has not been on who Christ is and what He's done for you. 
The moment you shift your focus and say, wait, wait, wait a minute, things might not look like I want them to look. I may not feel like I want to feel, but I'm going to shift my attention onto who Jesus is and what he's done for me. That is my source. That is my sauce. That's my reality. I'm going to taste him. I'm going to worship him. He is my reality. And if you'll stay there, you watch and see what changes. Your attitude will change. Your countenance will change. Your expectation will change. And you will go from being discouraged to being excited. With this kind of hope to excite us, nothing holds us back. Nothing can discourage us. Nothing can hold us back. Nothing can separate us from this crazy love that God has for us. Unlike Moses, verse 13, we have nothing to hide. Boy, is that different than man's religion. Man's religion, you, oh boy. You know, you've got lots to hide, lots to be secret about. Because if it ever comes out in the open... God's going to be really upset with you. We have nothing to hide. We're clean, 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 clean. Because of the blood of Jesus. We have no shame. Zero shame before God. God has put us on his level. I wasn't sure if I could say that or not. When he raised up Jesus, where did, he, where did the Father seat him? At his right hand. What does Ephesians say? We were raised up with Christ and seated where? With him at the right hand of the Father. God has put you on the same level as his son. Maybe that's because you've become his son. His daughter. That's exactly why. God sees you as his very own child. Now. Not when you get to heaven. Now. We have nothing to hide. We're shame-free people. Everything is out in the open with us. Hallelujah. He wore a veil, that's Moses, so the children of Israel wouldn't, wouldn't notice that the glory was fading away. Verse 14, and they didn't notice. They didn't notice it then and they don't notice it now. Don't notice that there's nothing left in man's religion. There's nothing left behind that veil. Religion doesn't want you to know that. Religion wants you to keep coming week after week and going through the same rituals, the same traditions, that hopefully something will change, but it's not going to work. That's why we're here at Highway Church, to break the cycle of endless question marks to, so that your question can be answered once and for all. Hallelujah. Verse 15, even today when the proclamations of that old Bankrupt government. What does bankrupt mean? Can't pay your debts. The old covenant could not pay your debt of sin. It's a bankrupt government that is no longer in existence. 
The Mosaic Covenant has been fulfilled. There's a new government, and it's on the shoulders of Jesus. It's the government of the new creation. That's you and me in Him. Hallelujah. So when this old bankrupt government is red, they can't see through it. Only Christ can get rid of the veil so they can see for themselves that there's nothing there. There's nothing there. There's nothing for you in man's religious tradition. Whenever, though, they turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil and there they are face to face with God. Face to face with God. Listen, the expression of our heart is revealed in our face. Right? What we believe inside shows up on our face. It's our flat screen monitor for our heart, right? It's the billboard of our lives. It's our, our advertisement, right? What's in our heart shows up on our face. What does God's face look like? Perfect joy. Perfect love. It's funny, often people say, I don't know what God's going to look at, look like. You were made in His image. Weren't we made in the image of God? I have a sneaking suspicion that He has two eyes and a nose and a mouth and two ears. Just call me crazy. But if He said you're made, he made in our, we're made in His exact likeness, I have a suspicion that He kind of looks like us. Except He's perfect. Right? He's, he's the beginning and the end. No one ever made him. He is. Right? He's, he's something that's going to blow our mind when we see him. But, another, but he does look like us. We're made in his image. You understand what I'm trying to say? I feel like my tongue is doing somersaults or something. We're made in his image. But he has a face. He has a countenance that is unpoisoned. That has no toxin in it that is completely absent of, of any, any depression, any hatred. His countenance is pure joy and pure peace. And it, we've been brought face to face with Him. Now, I want everyone to have a straight face right now. Let's all make a straight face. Now close your eyes. And when I ask you to open them, I want you to look at my face. Okay, but don't do it. So I'd say go. Ready? I'll say go, and you open your eyes, and you look at my face. Then I'm going to look at your face. Are you ready? I'll say one, two, three, go. One, two, three, go. Your face just changed from this to that. Because you looked at my face, and my face was smiling. When you look at the face of God... What's in your heart will change and your face will show it. We've been brought face to face through Christ. So let's read 16 in the message. 2 Corinthians 3.16 Whenever though they turn to face... Boy, this is the answer to depression. This is it. Look at the face of God. 
Whenever though they turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil and there they are face to face. Verse 17. So this is when someone turns to God, turns to Christ, sees the love that God has for him, sees the joy that he gets when you turn to him. They send, See, it's like that in our home. You know, we get joy and, and we're, we're, our kids bring us such joy. And Mariah was married and we're just so excited for Danny and Mariah and, and the life that God has for them. And it's different when you've had your children in your home and one of them leaves. But we get such joy when they come and see us. You know, and this is not a plug to try and get you to come over. But, but I mean, we could be sitting out on the couch, you know, and or just hanging out and we hear the door open. But God's like that when you turn to Him. Oh, you're looking to me. Ah, oh, yeah, come on in. Come in. Sit down. Come on. What, what can I do for you? How can I bless you? See? They suddenly recognize that God is a living, personal presence. Ah, oh, I love the Bible. It teaches me about the one who made me. Not a piece of chiseled stone. So God is a living, personal presence. Not a stained glass window. Not a statue. Not a necklace. Not a piece of chiseled stone. He's a living, personal presence that wants you to go through life face to face with Him. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete and we're free from it. All of us. Nothing between us and God. Our faces shining with the brightness. <laughs> There's nothing between us and God anymore. Hallelujah. There's nothing keeping you from experiencing all that God is anymore. The barriers have been taken away. The veil has been removed in Christ. The questions have been answered. Jesus is the will and nature of the Father. Look to Him and taste and see how good God is. Now, let's bring this thing to a close for today. Next week we have Youth Sunday. I'm so excited about that. It's going to be awesome. So excited. It's going to be great. There's nothing between us and God. In fact, not only is there nothing between us, but there's nothing that can ever separate us from Him. Nothing. You can't make a mistake bad enough that can get in between you and God. You can't. You, there's nothing you could do or say that could separate you from His love for you. What confidence this gives us, right? We're no longer walking on eggshells, man. We're floating on air. Hallelujah. That's what the good news does to you. <laughs> I remember I was in A school in, uh, in the military and I, I, I wanted to propose to Jennifer. I was living in southern Virginia at the time. She was in northwest Ohio. But the first time I asked her dad, he said no. I don't blame him. I probably would have said no too if I would have saw myself like that. 
So I kept praying, and months later, I asked him again, and it was right before we had PT training, physical training, and uh, I never liked to run, but I had to do a lot of it in the Navy, now I like it, but I wasn't crazy about it then, so I knew we were getting ready to run. uh, Anyway, uh, so he gave me a yes on the phone, on the pay phone, in the barracks, and I ran that, that PT like I'd never ran it before. I felt like I was floating around that track. I mean, yeah, I was like, poof, this is easy. What changed? Good news. Good news will lift you up, make you float right on through what used to be difficult. <laughs> Hallelujah. Boy, oh boy, they're so... Yeah, that's right, right to the source, right? Hallelujah. God is so good. Let's finish with this. God, you're so good. Thank you. So the whole reason that Jesus taught us what he taught us is to give you this assurance and security so that you can go through life with an expectation, with a confidence and a joy that nothing can shake. Remember the parable of the product, well, we called it the magnanimous father, but it's known as the parable of the prodigal son that we read. If you'll look at that parable in Luke 15, the whole reason Jesus taught us that parable is to show us the love of the Father for you. So that you'd become so confident of God's love. And if you'll remember in that parable, you had a, a young man who totally disgraced his father, who, who said, I really don't care about you. I want what's coming to me, and I'm out of here. And I, I'm not only out of here, but I'm going to go and blow it on, on filth and perversion. And I'm just going to ruin my life, degradate your name. I mean, he went as low as you could get. But it never changed the Father's love for him. It didn't change it one bit. Not one bit. In fact, when that son came to his senses, said, I'm going to go back to my father, he had a rehearsed confession that he had already prepared, but he never gave a chance to give it. Because he went back to his father, and before he could say one word, his father had already thrown his arms around him, was kissing him, hugging him, and blessing him. Listen to me, this, the father in that story did not require or ask for a confession of the son's sin. Hear me, we are not saved by confessing sin, but by confessing Christ. If you'll confess Christ in your life, sin will lose its hold on you. And nothing will be able to separate you. Let's finish with Romans 8, verse 38 and 39. Here it is. This is you today, right? For I am convinced now, because I go to the source and I've tasted the sauce, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's read it in the message. In the message, I'm absolutely convinced. Because I'm living a rumor-free life. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, 
angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing. I'm absolutely convinced that absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Hallelujah! Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your love that has made us absolutely convinced. Father, you're so good. There is no one who has loved us like you. And we are face to face with you. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Thank you. Make the joy of our Father real in us. Clear away anything that's obstructing our vision of His face. That we would see the love that He has for us, the joy that we bring Him, and the peace that has been purchased for us. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.